If you were here last week, and even if you weren't, I'm going to kind of review a little bit. But last week we started by suggesting a very simple prayer to pray. Uh, I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but I wonder how many of you thought about that prayer this last week and actually prayed it. It was a prayer that was designed to help us, to challenge us, and to stretch us as we bring Restore into this community. Now, that little prayer went this way, Lord, do things we're not used to. Do things we're not used to. I find it even scary for myself because each and every week is something new out here. And God continues to do some things that I had never thought about doing before. And I have a feeling he has a few things laid out in front of us in these next days, weeks, and months. We're going to go back. Maybe we should have been praying this prayer. (laughs) But then again, we're going to walk back and we're going to say, no, we really ought to pray that prayer more often. Lord, do things we're not used to doing. As I suggested, this is an extremely dangerous prayer to pray. Uh, If God ever truly begins to do things we're not used to, this missional gathering called Restore, uh, this community, indeed the world as we know it, is going to get turned upside down. Now, today, we're going to dig in a little bit deeper to Matthew chapter 10, but I only had to read a few verses, but if you look at all of chapter 10, you see a lot of bad news in that chapter. There are hard times. There's rejection. There's betrayal. There's family division. There is persecution. There's imprisonment in this chapter. There are beatings. There are lies. There are slanders. There's verbal abuse. There's hatred. And before you get to today's reading, you probably wonder, do I want to sign up for this kind of stuff? Well, as a preacher friend of mine down at Angola, always liked to say, Y'all want to be a Christian? Be one. That's what we need to do. If we're going to call ourselves Christ followers, we need to be Christ followers. We need that more than ever before today, I would suggest to you. And if you're in a world of broken people, we need to decide which team we're on. Now, if this were the NFL season and the Chiefs were playing today, no doubt I could look out here and see some people with Chiefs stuff on. Uh, a few of you would. Uh, some of us have still put on cowboy stuff uh, since we came up from Texas. I actually have my good dad's T-shirt on this morning. Just remind me that I am a good dad. But we wear a T-shirt to show whose team we're on. And if you're on the world's team, I would suggest to you, why don't you just go ahead and put on the world's jersey? But if you're on Team Jesus, wear that shirt. See, today we need Christ followers who are not ashamed of their faith. See, compromise, as I've discovered in my own life, brings no friends. You're either too Christian for the worldly crowd, or you're too worldly for the Christian crowd. So you can't stand in both camps. You need might as well stand up and be counted. I mean, I'm going to say today, I'm part of the Jesus crowd, and I hope that you would say the same thing. Now, when Matthew gets to the end of chapter 10, after talking about all of this bad stuff that's happening... He talks to his disciples after warning them about the trouble they can expect being Christ's followers. He does what any good leader ought to do. He answers the question, so is there a reward for doing any of this stuff? I mean, is there any good news in this? And this is where we get the good news coming. It's a fair question, and Jesus gives an answer pretty quickly. He says, following Jesus will not win you much praise from this world. Don't look for the world to give you praise. Look to Jesus, who sees what you do, even in quiet. 
Now, today, if you take a strong stand on any moral issue because of your faith, you run the risk of losing family members. You run the risk of losing uh, friends. You may be shunned at work or social gatherings. You might be attacked or blocked on social media. Anybody here been blocked on Facebook? Okay, me too. Have you ever been unfriended on Facebook? Yeah, me too. Uh, have they told you why? <laughs> yeah, I've been told why. Keep your stuff, to, uh, your opinions to yourself. Now, I had to go back and see what opinion I had. I couldn't remember why they were blocking me. And then I thought, well, yeah, if I had no relationship with Jesus, I'd probably block you too. <laughs> well, that's what happens. That's what happens. Um, so is it really worth it to follow Jesus? You know, maybe we'd be better off just kind of keeping our heads down, our mouths shut, and not making any waves. I mean, why risk your career or your life when you just want to go along to get along? But, and every sermon has a but, or at least a couple of buts in it, I would think. In Matthew 10, Jesus makes three promises to people who actually choose to follow him. And you should see promise number one up on the screen, I think. Uh, We will connect people with God. We will connect people with God. It says, the one who welcomes you welcomes me, and the one who welcomes me welcomes him who sent me. Now, there's a connection here. First of all, people welcome you. Second, by welcoming you, they welcome Jesus. And if they welcome Jesus, they're going to, by welcoming Jesus, they begin to welcome the Father. Now, not long ago, about a month ago, I got an email uh, from one of my students down at Angola Prison. And by the way, they have email. Uh, they just can't email anybody they want to, so don't worry. Some people are going to start emailing you from prison. They have to ask if they can connect with me. I say, sure. So I have regular contact with about 40 uh, leaders of the Christian community at Angola Prison and at Hunt Prison and a couple of other prisons. But I got this note. It might help us to understand. What he wrote was this, Doc, we was talking about this in our dorm last night and wondered, do Christians and Muslims worship the same God? Now you can already figure out how you might want to answer that question and not be rude. He went on to say, some of the people tonight wanted to answer yes. It was as if they saying, we have Jesus with God, you have Jesus without God. My response was just seven words to start with. <laughs> you know, the pastor's always got more to say eventually. <laughs> what, I, what I wrote back, um, I shared some of the words out of today's reading from, from Matthew, where it tells us plainly that the only way to the Father is through the Son. And then Jesus actually says it kind of in a negative sense in John 15. He says, whoever hates me hates my Father who sent me. But if you live in today's multicultural world like we all do, where we have enshrined tolerance, we've got diversity, we've got pluralism, kind of as the new secular trinity, statements like that don't fit in. They're too narrow. I mean, I've had people tell me at different times as a pastor, as a teacher working down in prison, are you kidding me? Only one way to God? How dare you say such a thing? Now, but we don't really get to pick and choose uh, which statements of Jesus we follow. 
I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if Jesus said it, that's enough for me. The Bible teaches clearly, it teaches us repeatedly that there is one God and the only way to know him is through his son, Jesus. Now, over the years, I've run into a lot of people who say that there are many roads to God. And I I will agree to some extent that's kind of true because every road does eventually lead standing in a group of either sheep or goats in the last day. And you're going to meet Jesus whether you knew you you're going to meet the father, whether you thought it was going to happen or not. Now, some people have told me it doesn't really make much difference what you believe. Uh, You can be atheism, spiritualism, voodooism. Buddhism, communism, Hinduism, or any other ism you can conjure up. But, and here's the second but in the sermon today, all roads do lead to God. That's the truth. When Jesus said it in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, underline that, no one comes to the Father except through me. You want to get to God? Through Jesus. So here's the good news for all of us. When we share the gospel, when we preach restoration into broken lives through the gospel, we're really connecting people with God. We go out in the name of Jesus to connect them to the Father. We're preaching and teaching the one and only message that leads from earth back to heaven. See, friends, we all have an amazing privilege of of doing these kinds of things, of connecting people with God simply by sharing the good news of Jesus. You had an opportunity to do that this last week? Anybody have an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody last week? Well, then I'll have to give you my example, won't I? <laughs> I'm sitting at a Hollister Coffee Company, as usual, in the morning. And a guy walks in the back door, um, Pretty much in camouflage and beard. That's the way I would describe it. A lot of camouflage and a beard. Looked kind of tired. Walked over to the counter. The two young gals that worked there, Diane and Ember, were staying there and said, what can we do for you? And he said, uh, I don't know. And he says, what do you got? Well, he's standing by a huge board that tells you everything you got. Um, yeah, he didn't know. And I said, so I just said, give him whatever he wants. And he turned to look at me. He, he says, what? I said, whatever you want, it's on me today. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And maybe I am a little bit. And he actually then said, how much are you willing to spend? <laughs> I thought, okay, let's see in my pocket what do I got? Let's see. And then I thought, well, I do have a charge card. I says, whatever you want, whatever you want. He ended up ordering some oatmeal, and they have an oatmeal that's got all kinds of stuff in it, and he ordered a large cup of coffee. And then he looked at me and walked and sat in the far corner, like I got some sucker on the hook, I guess. I almost the look, I was kind of trying to figure out where he was coming from. And then he finally was done. He took his dishes over and he came by. He said, why did you do that? And I said, there are probably a couple of reasons. And he goes, like, like what? I said, first of all, it looked to me like you couldn't quite figure out what you wanted. <laughs> and I was just trying to be helpful. And I said, second of all, 
I'm going to be preaching a sermon in a couple of weeks called Just a Cup of Cold Water. And I was willing to do whatever it took to be able to supply you with something and hoping that I could share with you who Jesus is. His response was, so that was what it was all about. Yeah. He sat down and he said, so tell me about this Jesus guy. Turns out that he knows who Jesus is, but he's wandered away from Jesus over the years and begins to wonder whether Jesus is really real. Now, I did invite him to restore. Who knows? He may show up. Big, burly guy with camouflage and a big beard who looks like he's a little bit out of it. But at least he understands who Jesus is. And I got a chance to pray for him. And he just sat there and looked at me. And then just got up and left without saying another word. Now, I have no idea where that's going. But what happened? A seed was planted. See, when we're preaching and teaching the only one and only message that we that leads from earth to heaven, we have a wonderful opportunity to do that. We have the amazing capability of connecting people with Jesus. Now, there's a second promise in this scripture, and it's for people who follow it. We will become a source of blessings to other people. Now, a cup of coffee and a bowl of oatmeal doesn't sound like much of a blessing. It's not going to dent my you know, my savings account or anything, which my wife tries to empty out regularly anyway. <laughs> By sending it to missions. I don't want you to think she's spending it on herself. But in verse 41, it says, anyone who welcomes a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who welcomes a righteous person because he's righteous will receive a righteous person's reward. Now, as I said, we can't all be prophets. Uh, we can't all be preachers. Uh, we can't all be missionaries. We can't all be pastors. We... Uh, can't all be leaders. And Jesus kind of alluded to this when he talked about later in Matthew chapter 25 about how he gave some people one talent and some people two talents and some people he gave five talents. And while we like to say the, the, the ground is all level at the foot of the cross uh, in the sense that we're all sinners in a desperate need for Jesus, we are all broken people in the need of restoration from God. It's not true that we all have the same gifts. We don't all have the same connections. Uh, some have more, some have less. When I introduced to the, you the Restore Corps last week, we all have different gifts. I can't even begin to do what Anthony does. Anthony would sooner die before he does what I do. <laughs> I can sing, but I can't lead music. I can't play the guitar. I can't do any of that stuff. And God forbid I would try to do what Jeff does to make sure all of the moving parts all kind of jiggle together. <laughs> and land in the same place. Now, he might like to do what I do on occasion, but he's probably not going to go over there and do that, and you're not going to see him up there with a guitar singing on a Sunday. We all have different gifts. So here's an amazing promise that Jesus makes. Those who stand and wait in the shadows, even if you aren't in a leadership position, you just feel like you're going to stand off in the corner in the shadows. He says the same reward is given to you as the reward is given to the person who has public acclaim. See, those who wait, those who serve, those two, these two are, are part of the team. What you're going to be starting chess with men, you're part of the team. You may say, well, I don't want to do any more than that. That's fine. That's your spot. See, now we all have our favorite pastors. We all have our favorite Bible teachers. We all have our favorite 
Christian singers or Christian bands or whatever. There's nothing wrong with having those kind of heroes. But friends, remember, those who serve alongside them get the same reward. Nobody's getting anything different. We can't all be prophets, but we can all win that prophet's reward. Now, he ends up, Matthew 10, here with a pretty stunning promise. In his promise number three, we will be remembered for the tiniest acts of kindness. Verse 42, whoever gives just a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is a disciple, I assure you, he will never lose his reward. Now, I want to walk through this verse a little bit. Uh, Look at the person who's being talked about in this verse. It's the whoever. Any whoever's here today? Yeah, there are a bunch of whoever's. There are no limits to that promise. None of you are exempt from that promise. Now, you don't need to be a pastor like me. You don't need to be a missionary. You don't need to be a seminary professor. And God forbid that you think you need a seminary degree. Um, Do you all have a cup of cold water? I think we all do. Then you're qualified. Whoever. Got a bunch of whoever's here today. There there are no nobodies here today. We just have a whole bunch of whoever's. I want you to look at the recipients here. One of these little ones. Now, I'm not going to get into the Greek and talk about these, you know, tiny little children, the paideo or whatever like that. But the little ones, who are the little ones? Well, there are little ones all over the world. I don't know whether you know it or not, but Restore is smack dab in the middle of a one square mile of little ones. We are right in the middle of 1,300 and some housing units. How many people that is, I really don't know for sure. We're right in the middle of all of it. If you reach out to the hurting, if you reach out to the forgotten, if you reach out to the marginalized, to the poor, the homeless, the abused, to the person living almost on the streets, to a woman who's trapped in sex trafficking or to a former inmate or to an immigrant or a widow or an orphan, Jesus sees your concern for the people of this world that a lot of people never, ever see. They just walk through and never see it. The third thing is in action. It says, give a cup of cold water. That's pretty simple. There it is, cold water. Now, these things cost a little bit, but by and large, how do you get water? Pretty simple, pretty inexpensive, often unseen. My wife was uh, recuperating a little bit in the last couple of weeks. I don't know how many glasses of water I filled for her. It's pretty easy to do. I pick up the glass, walk over, uh, and I turn on the tap, water comes out. And because she likes cold water, the next, well, my first trip is over to the refrigerator to shove it in and fill up about half with ice. Pretty simple stuff. Simple, inexpensive, often unseen. In fact, the famous preacher Charles Spurgeon one time said, a cup of cold water may contain a sea of warm love. Interesting. A cup of cold water may contain a sea of warm love. Takes little preparation. So look at number, look at the fourth, fourth part of this verse, the certainty of the reward. He says, I assure you. Now the original Greek, I'm going to have to throw in a little Greek here to show you that I actually did study it one time. The Greek uses a double negative to make a point, and this could be literally translated as never, ever, no way. 
He's trying to make a point. I assure you, never, never, no way is this going to be different. See, for most of us, a cup of cold water is no big deal. If we're thirsty, we fill the faucet. We, we get ice. We don't even think about it. Now, you may forget about giving somebody a cup of coffee. Give me three or four more weeks. I'll probably forget completely what I told you this morning. But Jesus remembers it. In fact, if you read further in the book of Matthew, Jesus says it this way, Matthew 25. Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then the what? The righteous say, uh, excuse me, Jesus. When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? That's a good question. When? When did that happen? I mean, surely if Jesus were uh, hungry, you probably would feed him. I think you probably would. I mean, if Jesus was walking around half naked, you'd, you'd offer him some clothes. If you suddenly find out that Jesus was locked up in Taney County Jail, you'd probably go visit him. But guess what? A lot of people don't. So Jesus says, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. See, we, when, we know when we go in his name, guess what? He goes with us. People ask me, are you afraid to work in the largest maximum security prison in America? I'm too dumb to be afraid, to be quite honest. But no, I'm not. I've often said, I think my wife's probably heard me say, that I'd rather die on the mission field than get run over by a car in a Walmart parking lot. And yet, we know that we are going to him. We know we go in his name. We know we're going with him and for him. See, Jesus is really on the uh, end of these, of, of these mercy transactions. Uh, he stands with the homeless people. He sees single moms struggling with young kids. He has a, a cell inside of every prison in this world. Uh, he walks the paths and the hallways of those, that school across the street from here. He hears the cry of abused children. And there's a sense in which Jesus can be found everywhere there is human pain and human suffering. If there's a broken heart, you can find Jesus there. And if there's sadness or guilt, Jesus will be there too. That's why he was called a man of sorrows. See, there's a deeper sense in which we can find Jesus. You find him, his people scattered on this earth. Some of you may know the end of this passage. I'll start it for you. Where two or three are gathered together. What? In my name. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. Go on. There I am. What? In the midst of them. That's a great promise. Matthew 18, 20. We're two or three. One, two, three. Guess what? Jesus is right there. One, two, three. Guess who's here today? Jesus. Jesus is here. So when we help his people, we're helping him. When we dry a tear or offer words of hope, we're helping him. 
when we go the extra mile, even when we're already dead tired and really frustrated. We don't have enough energy, don't have enough time. We're already behind schedule. We do it anyway. And Jesus marks it down as if we did it to him personally. See, what matters to Jesus are the things that we can't remember. Like a cup of cold water, a friendly hello, pat on the back, a text message or an email. Anybody get an encouraging text message or email this week? Good, Anthony did. Okay, I saw Ed did too. Nancy did. Okay. Anybody pray for you this week over the phone? Did you pray for anybody over the phone this week? A few minutes of conversation over a cup of coffee. A word of encouragement. A visit with a sick friend. How many of you know who Daryl Strawberry is? Know the name? Daryl Strawberry. He was a baseball superstar, played most of his time, 13 seasons or so, I think it was, with the New York Yankees. During his big league career, he had 335 home runs. He made the all-star team eight times, and he played on four World Series championships. And along the way, he not only was uh, well-known for his baseball skills, he was also well-known for his uh, well-documented and repeated struggles with alcohol and drugs. Uh, He spoke about his many weaknesses and failures with admirable honesty. And I can remember seeing him on ESPN talk about this at one point. Uh, He didn't blame anybody but himself for the situation he found himself in. But when he finally surrendered his life to Jesus, he was transformed into a brand new guy. And near the end of his talk, this is what he said. When I get to the end of my life, God's not going to ask, how many grand slams did you hit? He's going to ask, what did you do? For my kingdom. When it's all been said and done, what what can you say? See, he's actually right, and there's a sense in what that's what Jesus is saying. The things that we count so important on earth really don't really matter very much. When we stand before the Lord, a cup of cold water that we gave to a thirsty guy, or a cup of coffee and a bowl of oatmeal we gave to somebody will matter more than any home runs or touchdowns or sermons preached or whatever. See, we're called to be faithful in doing whatever God has called us to do. Faithful day by day, big things, little things, things that get noticed, things that don't get noticed. Sometimes it'll be a chance to help a hurting person answer a question, lift somebody's spirits, make a phone call, send a text message. I mean, Chances are a lot of things you do, these little things, you probably forget pretty soon. But Jesus forgets what we remember. But I think sometimes Jesus remembers what we forget. That almost sounds like law and gospel somewhere in there, the whole gospel. So the question is, I started with, is it worth it to follow Jesus? Well, you have to make up your own mind. I can't make up my own mind for you. I'd love to be able to do that. I'd love to be able to shake you and say, yeah, you're going to be following Jesus. Come on, get in the army. That'd be really nice if I could do that. Can't do that, won't do that. But you know, Martin Luther, i got to bring Lutheranism into this a little bit. Martin Luther had something to say about this when he wrote the song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Ein Festeburg is unser God. That's from my German classes in high school. But he wrote this, Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. 
until and to that I would say, and we're going to live in that kingdom, and by the power of God, restore brokenness in people's lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you never ask us to sacrifice for no reason. When the going gets tough, open our eyes to see eternal reality. And may we not shrink back from your call, but gladly say, here am I, send me, send me. Amen.